And so we look here in chapter number 4, and here in chapter number 4, of course, we see Adam and Eve uh, had uh, Cain, and then a little bit they had Abel, and of course we see that Cain brought a sacrifice uh, to the Lord. He and Abel both did, and we know the story. God accepted Abel's sacrifice. He did not accept Cain's, and Cain slew his brother Abel, and as a result of that, Cain had a curse put upon him. But as we look at this passage of Scripture, there are several things that I see that are an immediate change from the life that Adam and Eve had uh, prior to the fall and some things that are very different in the world after their fall. And so we want to just try and look at those this evening. The first result of the fall that I see in this passage is sorrow in childbearing. Sorrow in childbearing. Now we know that the Lord had told Eve... He said uh, unto the woman in Genesis 3.16, it says unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So the Lord had promised Eve that because of her sin, because of her role in the fall of man, that he would increase her sorrow in conception and her sorrow in childbearing. And we come here to chapter number 4, and we see that Eve did experience this sorrow in childbearing. I believe that she experienced this sorrow in a couple of ways. First of all, I believe that Eve experienced the physical pain and the difficulty of labor in bearing Cain. So she had Cain, and I believe she experienced the difficulty and the, and the pain that comes with labor and delivery. But you need to keep in mind, not only did she experience the natural pain and difficulty, but also Eve delivered Cain without any medical assistance. Eve delivered Cain without having an experienced mother tell her uh, what to expect. Uh, Eve delivered Cain without someone there assuring her that the things she was experiencing in her body, although they were painful or although they were uncomfortable, were normal and that there was nothing to be afraid of. Eve had no one there to comfort her. She had no one there to explain to her what was going on. She had no way of knowing the steps that would take place. Nowadays we understand these are the steps. These are the things we look for. These let us know whether the baby will be born soon or whether it will be a while. Eve had no one to tell her any of that. The Lord said you're going to bear your children in sorrow. And I believe whenever Eve bore Cain, I imagine that Eve was fearful. I believe when she delivered Cain, she was confused. I believe that Eve may have even entered into a state of despair at some points in her delivery because she did not know what was going on, how this was going to take place. Eve experienced sorrow in her delivery. I believe that tears were shed. I believe her mind was in a state of turmoil. But I believe one thing rang true in Eve's mind as she delivered Cain, and that is that God had said, in sorrow, will you bring forth children? And although God had said in sorrow, will you bring forth children, and that prophecy, if so be it, was coming to pass, at the same time I believe Eve may have found just a glimpse of comfort because God had said in sorrow, 
you'll bring forth children. So although she was experiencing this sorrow, she had a promise that through this sorrow a child would be born. So we see here a difference, a result of the fall is sorrow in childbearing. But I believe there was another sorrow in childbearing that we see here. And I believe that Eve experienced sorrow in disappointment. Sorrow in disappointment. You've heard the, those uh, parents or fathers especially who like to pick on their boys and say, Son, when you was born, I cried. I couldn't believe something that ugly had been born, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we see here that Eve uh, experienced sorrow in disappointment. What do I mean that she experienced sorrow and disappointment? God had said that she would have sorrow in childbearing, but God had also said in Genesis 3 and verse number 15 that there was a promised seed. God had told Adam and Eve, you have sinned, but there's a promised seed coming. And when that seed comes, that seed will be a redeemer. It will be a deliverer. It will, it will take away the, the penalty of what you have done. And whenever Eve bore uh, Cain, we see in verse number 1 that Eve said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. I really believe that when Cain was born that Eve felt, and I believe rightfully so, that Eve felt that this was the promised seed. You say, well, how, how in the world could she think that? Well, you have to remember, Eve was a person just like you and I, and her whole world consisted of one other person, Adam, and God had said, you have sinned. I will send a redeemer to take away the penalty of sin. Eve was not thinking of millions of people and thousands of years later. Eve was thinking of right now. And when Cain was born and she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. I believe that Eve felt that this was the promised redeemer. This is the one that God had promised her. Soon this redeemer would take their sin away. But very quickly Eve began to see the results of the fall as little Cain began to throw his temper tantrums. As she began to see his natural tendency to be deceptive, uh, she's seen his natural tendency to want to lie to her and Adam about what was going on. Uh, uh, she's seen how he was um, inconsiderate of others. And very quickly the natural, selfish, sinful tendencies of Cain began to be very predominant. And Eve realized that this was not a redeemer but this was a sinful child born to two sinful parents. The Redeemer was not yet here yet. Now I believe that Eve as a mother loved Cain as much as she could possibly love him. But I believe she felt some sorrow when she realized this wasn't the Redeemer. The result of the fall, they had failed. And from this moment on, all people looked for the Redeemer. We look at the Old Testament and we look at the ladies who bore children. They all wanted to bear male children because they wanted to be the mother of the Redeemer. This hope that Eve had carried on for generations as people said, we want to have a, a Redeemer. Eve said, this is the Redeemer and she soon realized this was not the Redeemer and from that day forward, people have continued to look for the Redeemer until that day when the angel appeared to Mary and said, Mary, thou art highly favored among women. You know what? All of your mothers have been looking for, all of the mothers have been waiting for, Mary, that is going to be you. But we see as a result of the fall, there was sorrow in childbearing. 
But not only do we see that there was sorrow in childbearing, but the next result of the fall we see is in verse number 2 where we see some sibling rivalry. Some sibling rivalry. Now, I don't know if any of y'all have ever experienced this, but I believe if you have a sibling, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The sibling rivalry, you know. Whenever you, the siblings get together, nobody loves each other like siblings do, and nobody can fight like siblings do. I mean, that's just the way it is, boy. I mean, uh, you love each other and you hate each other all at the same time. Now, I think that Cain might have took the hate a little bit far, but... <laughs> You see these siblings, and what we see here as a result of the fall was some sibling rivalry. In Genesis 4-2, it says, And she again bare his brother Abel. Now, just intersect this here. Whenever she had Cain, she said, This is a man from the Lord. But when she had Abel, she gave him the name Abel, which means vanity. You know what? A lot of times parents have that first kid. And I'm telling you what, they ain't nothing like his first kid. This first kid's amazing. It don't matter what they do wrong. This kid is perfect. By the time they get to that second kid, I mean, it's just, the attitude is different. Let's just say that. <laughs> she named Abel Vanity. She's like, I done tried with Cain. Cain wasn't the one. We got another one, but he's going to be just as big a brat as his brother was. Uh, that's John Tilly interpretation. But uh, we see here she buried his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. At some point after bearing Cain, we don't know how much time transpired. Uh, very likely it was within a couple of years. Uh, Eve bore another son who she named Abel. And from the beginning, there was a definite difference in these two boys. One was a shepherd. The other was a gardener. Both worthy occupations. Uh, one was sensitive to and closely adhering uh, to the law of God. The other was a free thinker who was trying to revise the law of God. Uh, one was patient and faithful. The other was a hothead and self-centered. Uh, these boys were two completely different boys that had been born to Adam and Eve. Uh, but then we see not only the sibling rivalry, but then in verses 4 down through the remainder of the passage we read this evening, down through verse number 15, we see a third result of this fall, and that is a selfish motivation. A selfish motivation. Uh, we see uh, here in verse 4 to 15 the self-centered behavior of Cain, and we see how this self-centered behavior is revealed in several ways. First, in verse number 3, we see that his selfish motivation is revealed through his disobedience uh, to God's command. Now you remember Adam and Eve were in the garden and God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree in the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge and good and evil thou mayest not eat lest you surely die. And we know that Adam and Eve made the decision to disobey God. Do you know what when Adam and Eve took of that fruit and ate that fruit? First of all, they had convinced themselves that there would be no terrible repercussions for themselves. They had believed what Satan had said and they had convinced themselves that they could take of the fruit without any repercussion, which is the same lie the devil still tells people today and people still fall for the same lie over and over and over again. The devil says it may hurt everybody else, but it won't hurt you and people fall for it over and over. But even after they felt the pain of their sin. I don't believe it entered into Adam and Eve's mind that their sin would affect their children. You know something we need to learn from this is our sin 
will always affect others. Never, never, never. Sometimes the devil, sometimes you will know that this sin has repercussion, but you will be so drawn by the temptation that you don't care. And the devil will jump on your back and he'll say, don't worry, you're only hurting yourself. But you always hurt someone else. Sin never hurts just those committing it. It always hurts others. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And now we see their two sons. Now we know, we have reason to believe that Adam and Eve had gotten right with the Lord. They had repented. A sacrifice had been made. I believe that Adam and Eve had continued to make sacrifices, and we'll look more at that in a moment. Uh, I believe they had continued to have a relationship with God. I believe that Adam and Eve had done their best to raise Cain and Abel to be children who understood God, who knew God, who had uh, uh, upheld God. Uh, they, They tried to train them to be good children. But Adam and Eve had disobeyed God, and we come here to Genesis chapter number 4 and verse number 3, and we find that their son Cain also disobeyed God's command. In verse 3 it says, In process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now I've heard folks ask, but how did Cain know what God required? And if the Lord will allow me, I have another whole lesson that that I almost taught tonight, and then I put it aside and came back to this. Uh, but uh, another whole lesson on uh, things that are so, th- things that are so obvious that we miss. <laughs> There's a lot of things in Scripture that are very obvious that we miss, and one of them is this. They say, "Well, how did Cain know what to bring?" Well, if you look right, just right here in chapter number four, you will find that God audibly spoke to Cain a number of times. We find that before the fall, God audibly spoke to Adam and Eve. Now, I know in the day in which we live, God has a hard time getting our attention. God has a hard time getting a good 15 minutes of our time so he can show us something from the word of the Lord. But in Adam and Eve's day, they didn't have anything to do but listen. They didn't have anything else to occupy their mind. They didn't have their television or their radio or the newspaper or magazines. All these things that consume our minds, they didn't have any of that. The only thing they had to put their mind to was God. And God came and walked with them in the cool of the garden every day. Now, I don't know what you think, but I think God talked to Adam and Eve about who he was and what he required and the things that he wanted and uh, what he saw as righteous and holy. And, and I believe that God was instructing Adam and Eve personally every day. So when they were thrown out of the garden, they had quite an understanding of God. After they left the garden, we have right here in chapter number 4 evidence that God was speaking to Cain. So I believe that God continued to communicate with Adam and Eve. He continued to communicate with Cain and Abel. Also, we know that we know, we know that um, whenever uh, God made the coats of skin for Adam and Eve, he slew an animal. So there had been a blood sacrifice already. And I do believe that when God slew this animal and made the coats of skin, God instructed Adam and Eve as to why an animal had to die, why blood had to be shed. And I believe that from this, Adam and Eve understood the importance of sacrifice. I believe Adam and Eve regularly 
made sacrifice when they came before the Lord. Now this is just uh, an assumption. I have nothing to base this on, uh, but I do know that they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. I'm sure they settled down not far from there. We know that there was a cherubim guarding the way to go in. Uh, It would seem to me that they may have went back to where they could see the cherubim and offered sacrifice to God to let God know, hey, we want to be right with you. Perhaps they didn't go back to the garden. As I said, that's just an assumption. Uh, But I believe that they continued to sacrifice to God. Also, we know that Abel knew what to bring. I believe that Cain knew what to bring because Abel knew what to bring. And you say, well, maybe they were both just guessing. I don't believe so because the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, verse number 4, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. We also know that in Romans 10, 17, that the Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing. So the Bible says that Abel by faith offered a more excellent sacrifice. Romans says the way you have faith is by hearing. So what the Bible is teaching is that Abel had heard what God required. He believed that what God required was what was best and he acted upon what God required. He acted upon what he had heard about God and God said by faith because Abel believed what he had heard, Abel had a more excellent sacrifice. If Abel had heard what to bring, Cain knew what to bring. I've heard some people just really hang up right here that God is unjust, God is unfair, God is playing favorites. No, they knew what to bring. Now, I don't know if it was, as I mentioned earlier, that Adam and Eve had taught them uh, through, uh, you know, setting and teaching them or they had taught them through example by taking them to the sacrifices. I don't know if that's how they had heard or maybe God had spoken to them and said, if you're going to a sacrifice, this is what I want. But I do know that for God to say that Abel offered a better sacrifice by faith, they knew what was required. They knew what God desired. They knew what it was that God wanted. When God accepted Abel's offering and rejected that of Cain, God wasn't picking favorites. He wasn't being unjust. God was demonstrating righteousness. He was being true to his word. He had said, this is what is required, therefore this is what I will accept. And you know what? In in our day and time, we have many people, and Lord willing, next week this is what we're going to be looking at is the false doctrine of Cain. We have many, many people who want to rewrite what God requires. And when God doesn't accept it, they, they accuse God of being unfair, of being hateful, of being a bully, when in truth, God is simply being righteous and saying, I'm true to my word. So we see here that Cain uh, disobeyed God, but we see that not only did he disobey God, but his selfish motivation is also seen in verse number 5 when he becomes angry at God's righteousness. He becomes angry at God's righteousness. It says here in verse number 5, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. In verse number 4, of course it says, and Abel he also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very 
wrath and his countenance fell. Cain exhibited his selfish motivation in that he became angry at the righteousness of God. God had simply said, I require bloodshed. Now, I don't know what Cain's reasoning was. We'll look at some possibilities next week. I'm trying hard not to teach next week's lesson this week. I don't know what what Cain's reasoning was. But Cain, for whatever reason, felt that his fruits and his vegetables was a better offering. He felt that this should also be accepted. And God said, I'm sorry, Cain, but you know what I require. I require bloodshed, and I've accepted Abel's offering, but I can't accept yours. We don't know what, by what means God accepted the offering. We know that many times uh, in the Old Testament, God would accept offering by fire. Could be that fire came down and consumed Abel's and did not consume Cain's. I also wonder if this was the first time Cain had ever offered an offering. You know what, there are many times there are people who will come to church where that teaches right and they'll kind of follow along with that for a while. Then they'll decide that they don't like this anymore and want to try to design something new on their own. I wonder if perhaps, perhaps Cain had brought the correct sacrifice before, but he got tired of buying sheep off of his brother. So he wanted to come up with a new way, a new plan. We don't know. But for whatever reason, Cain said this will be better and God did not accept it. When God did not accept it, Cain became very angry at God. But do you know it's very hard to direct anger at God? It's kind of hard to pin it. You can yell at God, you can look at the sky and, and, and use curse words and, and yell at the sky, but after you're done you really would feel kind of empty because there's no way to really pin your anger on God. So many times when people become angry at God, they pin that anger on a representative of God. And this is what Cain did to Abel. Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's was not. Cain was angry at God, and Cain directed that anger towards his brother Abel. We see that Cain was angry at God's righteousness We see that his selfish motivation continued to drive his actions in that he chose murder instead of repentance. He chose murder instead of repentance. At this point, at this point, they've both brought their offerings. At this point, God has accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's. At this point, Cain is angry because his offering has not been accepted. But at this point, no judgment has been passed. Cain did disobey. Cain has done wrong, but no judgment's been passed yet. You know, this needs to remind us that we serve a long-suffering God. We serve a patient God. We serve a kind and loving God. At this point, no judgment has been passed. As a matter of fact, find out what God says to Cain at this point. In in verse... um, excuse me, verse number 6 and verse number 7. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. I'm telling you what, that's a powerful passage of Scripture right there. I even put it as your memory verse on your worksheet. That's a powerful passage of Scripture. Cain had disobeyed, willfully, knowingly, disobeyed. 
completely worthy of judgment at this point. Now Cain has become angry at God, doubly worthy of judgment. And God says, Cain, don't be angry. Just go get a lamb. Cain, don't, don't get upset. Cain, I'm a righteous God. I can't accept your fruits and vegetables. But Cain, just go get a lamb. If you do well, I'll accept you. Cain, I'll forgive you if you just go get a lamb. But you know what? Sometimes we get so set in our minds and what we've decided we're going to do that when God says, son, daughter, just, just fix it. Just repent. I'll forgive you. If you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know what? Whenever we knew that verse was in the Bible, it seems like none of us would ever have to endure the correcting hand of God. He gives us a get-out-of-jail-free card. But we get so set in our ways. Instead of repenting, we say, No, God. That's what Cain did. No. Nope. God said, Cain, you've disobeyed me. You've become angry at me. But Cain, just, just go get a lamb and do it right, Cain, and, and we'll move forward. I'm telling you what a patient and loving God we serve. But I, Cain didn't listen. Cain didn't listen. Instead of choosing uh, repentance, he chose murder. In Genesis 4, verse number 8, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. I don't know what they talked about. I imagine Abel was saying, Brother, why, why, why are you staying so angry at God? You, brother, I'll, I'll sell you a lamb. You can, you can make this thing right. I believe that Abel was most likely trying to encourage Cain to do the right thing. And Cain slew his brother Abel. He chose murder instead of repentance. Now, I'm just going to stop right here and give uh, just a little interjection. It's not quite as weighty, but it's very interesting. We allow the caveman ideology to affect our Bible stories way too often. Because anytime you see this murder depicted in Sunday school literature, Cain is killing Abel with a rock. Why is he killing Abel with a rock? Oh, because they didn't have knives back then. Well, what in the world did Abel slice that lamb's throat with? Can somebody tell me? To think that these people were uh, undeveloped, ignorant humans who did not know how to develop tools uh, really questions the all-powerful God who created them. Matter of fact, I believe that Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, the first humans, were probably uh, of an intelligence level that would blow us away. I mean, Adam named all of the animals in one afternoon. I don't have enough vocabulary to do that. I would have run out of words. He named all the animals in one afternoon. These are very, very intelligent people. There is no reason that we need to believe that Cain had to kill Abel with a rock. Now, he may have not had the latest uh, uh, hunting knife that you can buy at Cabela's, but I believe it's very likely that he could have had a knife with a cutting edge, whether made of uh, flint or made of uh, metal or whatever. I believe it's very possible. You say, well, now, I don't believe they had discovered metal yet. Well, only a couple chapters over we find that they were making tools out of metal, so I, I don't think it's impossible at all. 
Uh, I believe it's very likely that he had him a good razor-sharp knife and he plunged it into his brother's chest and he killed him. We need to be careful about letting uh, evolution and caveman ideology integrate our Bible stories. I believe these were intelligent beings that were very capable of making tools to help them get the job done. We see here, though, back to this, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. We see that God gave Cain a chance to repent. God didn't render judgment immediately, but he graciously offered him an opportunity to repent of his disobedience. But instead of recognizing the goodness of God, Cain slew his brother. He blamed his brother for God's holiness, and Cain added to his sin. This is the path that sin always takes. You will always add to your sin. And we see that the, the trend continues. In verse number 9 we see that he continued down this path of sinfulness and that he resorted to dishonesty concerning his sin. In verse 9 it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? This is always the resort of sin. First we sin. He sinned by disobeying God. Then we add to our sin, he murdered his brother, and then we continue to live a life of sinfulness. Now he's lying to God. He's lying to God. We see here that uh, Cain added dishonesty. And then we see in verses 10 down through 13, his selfish motivation cultivated in despair throughout the rest of his life. And you know what? If you choose to disobey God, ignore God's offering for repentance, and selfishly persist in a life of sin, you will have a life of despair. And this is where Cain wound up. Look with me in verse number 10. The Bible says, and he said, What hast thou done? This is God speaking. What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. You know what? Many a time you will meet sinners who while they are in the heat of their sinful life. They are proud. They are arrogant. They are doing what they want to do and they will explain to you why they want to do it and they seem unshakable. But let them run and come back to them later on. When their family's gone, their fortune's gone, they have no income, they're dependent upon sinful addictions, and they're sitting in a corner of a run-down shack with their head in their hands, crying their eyes out. Why? Because they're living a life of despair. They wish they could die. And many, many of them take their own life because they've come to a point where their life is a life of despair. We see here that sin will always give you a life of despair. God said to Cain, you disobeyed me. You were angry to me. You rejected my offer of repentance. You murdered your brother. You lied to me. Cain, because of this, your life will be miserable. 
When Cain brought that offering and disobedience to God, Cain was confident that he was justified in disobeying God. Whenever God offered him a chance of repentance and he ignored it, he was confident that he was just in his sinful lifestyle. When he killed his brother, he was confident that he was doing what was best. But every time, every step, he was sinning against God and God finally said, okay, if that's the life you want to live, here are the consequences. You know what? We see this same thing playing out over and over and over again. People reject God, disobey God, arrogantly, proudly, until they come to a point where God says, okay, if that's the life you want to live, live it. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that he turns them over to do those things which are not convenient. He turns them over to a life of hardship, a life of despair, and this is where sin will always take you. Two chapters back, this was a paradise. Two chapters back, life couldn't get any better. Two chapters back, it was bliss and joy. Now, look where we're at. You know what? Whenever the devil jumps on your back and he says, it's okay, it only affects you, don't worry, there's no consequence. Remember, you keep on that road and you'll find yourself and your children living a life of despair. Powerful message, powerful message here in Genesis chapter number 4. Now, Lord willing, we'll come back uh, next week to this same passage of Scripture. And in the book of Jude, I think it's verse number 11, the Bible speaks of the way of Cain. And we're going to look at the doctrine of Cain, the belief of Cain, and how that Cain's false religion, if you want to call it that, has characteristics that are true in every false religion that we'll see uh, in the world. They all have these same characteristics. Very much can be learned there. And there's also 